0: You are listening to episode 5 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today, with our head of content Charlotte and Third Eyed Media founder Clara, who are sharing a lot of great advice for startups to get press coverage. Hello everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of the EU Startups podcast. Please let me use this opportunity to also announce today's launch of the EU Startups Club. After what you could call a 10-year free trial phase since launching EU Startups in 2010, today we're finally introducing you to the EU Startups membership program, which comes with a ton of benefits. The club membership will provide some additional members-only content, like a weekly overview of all funding rounds in Europe. It will provide you with unrestricted access to our startup database with about 7,500 entries and to our editorial archive with roughly 5,500 posts, instead of just having access to five posts per week. Also, our club membership option for startups provides you with unlimited free posts on the EU Startups job board, which itself should already be worth the small membership fee. Aside of several other benefits and discounts, the club membership also enables you to join our quarterly club calls, where you can interact with the EU Startups team and with other club members. As you can see, our club membership already provides a lot of value, and there is more to come. That being said, we'd be excited to count you in as one of the founding members of the club. As you can imagine, EU Startups has been impacted quite heavily by the COVID-19 crisis, since we were not able to hold this year's EU Startup Summit, which accounts for the majority of our annual revenues. You joining us as a club member will not only help us to continue to serve the European startup ecosystem, but also to further improve the quality of our editorial output. With enough members joining the EU Startups Club, we'll also be able to focus a bit less on page views growth, but more on long-form, high-quality content pieces that provide a lot of value for our readers. If you'd like to benefit from our club membership while supporting our cause for serving the European startup ecosystem, make sure to sign up now. For today's episode of the EU Startups Podcast, our Head of Content, Charlotte Tucker, invited Third Eyed Media founder Clara Armand Lille to talk about startup PR and how to increase your chances of getting press coverage. But before we jump into the conversation, let me shortly give a shout out to our podcast sponsor. The EU Startups Podcast is powered by ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley, which provides solutions designed for the unique needs of startups. ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley simplifies the complexities of equity plan management, helps you engage with your employees, and provides you with the tools you need to comply with local and regulatory requirements. As an integrated platform, everything from HRIS integration to audit-ready financial reporting works together seamlessly for improved accuracy, collaboration, and decision-making. For more information, check out the link in our show notes to schedule a free demo. And now without further ado I'll hand over to my colleague Charlotte and her guest Clara from Third Eye Media.
1: Okay so just to introduce Clara to our listeners Clara is the founder and managing partner of Third Eye Media which is a digital PR and marketing consultancy. And she has a track record of helping European startups build their brand across Europe, the US and Latin America. So maybe Clara, you want to say something else about your experience on your agency?
2: Sure, uh, Charlotte, thanks for having me today. Um, yes, yeah, so the agency is now five years old. Uh, we're a multilingual, multi-market team uh, that works essentially across Europe and other regions um, helping high growth startups and uh, venture capital firms in the tech sector.
1: Awesome thank you. Okay so today we're going to talk with Clara about how to get your startup featured in the news and media and we thought this combination could be quite interesting because Clara will be representing a PR marketing agency and I'm representing you startups which is a news publication. So we have Quite an interesting dynamic there, because in real life, Clara's agency would be contacting new startups to get news publication for their clients, right? And Clara, you've actually contacted us before. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, on the regular. (laughs) Yeah. So for this reason, together we can bring both sides of the equation to give our top do's and don'ts for startups. Right, so if we start at the beginning, for early-stage startups... Maybe together we can define the difference between press and paid media. So from our side, by press coverage, what we mean is getting content about your startup published for free, which is the most important part, in an online or print publication. But I know, Clara, you have a kind of nice way to explain the difference between press coverage and other media. And maybe you could explain the benefits between each marketing element.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So what we like to talk about is POEM, which is uh, paid, owned, and earned media. Uh, And there's a difference between the three. Um, What you described earlier, which is, you know, securing editorial articles in an outlet, that's what we call earned media. And as you said, it's incredibly valuable for a startup, especially at the early stage, because you create a media footprint, which didn't exist before. And which creates automatically authoritativeness for for that startup, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it it signals basically to the markets that um, this startup was deemed and selected among other stories as interesting, important, compelling enough. To deserve earned media, which is sort of um, a bit of an art to, to sort of pitch into outlets, is is very valuable at an early stage. Then you have what you call owned media. So owned media is the startup or business or person's own channels. Um, so that can be their blog, their website, um, you know, their social media channels. So, really, the channels that they own. Uh, so, obviously, this is great for, um, for any early stage startup to be able to really kind of um, put their voice and face out there with their own specific messaging and phrasing. They have total control about the messaging that they craft and put out. Um, but obviously, you know, uh, if it's yourself talking about yourself, it doesn't have the authoritative element that earned media has, right? Where it's, a, it's, a, it's, to publication describing you and talking about your value and the benefits of your products, which is very different from you doing it yourself. There's already an element of third party advocacy in earned media, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, paid, uh, paid media is also what you call sponsored articles um, or uh, paid media, we, what we put in that bucket as well, is sort of uh, paid campaigns uh, that you can do on your own channels. So uh, this has the advantage of being able to obviously promote um, with you know ever greater uh, precision today, um, your content to the right audience. Because if you think of, for example, you know a, a Twitter or a Facebook owned by a business or an Instagram, they can really hyper target uh, their audience with hashtags. Um, geolocation, all sorts of different tools and layers of precision that you have uh, to put together paid campaigns. Right, so mm-hmm. that's great, and uh, and the same goes with with sponsored content. So a lot of outlets out there will always have a sponsored option where you know you can secure um, sort of coverage, but in a paid way, and it guarantees you you know things like inclusion in the newsletter or, you know, um, sort of uh, a certain dedicated amount of time on the the publication's landing page and so forth and so on. So it guarantees you visibility, but it it is flagged somewhere along the piece that it's that it's sponsored content. Yes. So again, it has a bit more of a self-marketing element uh, that doesn't have the gravitas of a proper uh, editorial coverage that we referred to as earned, earned media earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. So at You startups, we kind of divide our content in more or less the same way. So we have news articles, which is when we publish some news about a startup for free. And then we also have sponsored content, like you said, which is a paid service. Um, Except for us, usually this is not something we offer for startups. It's something usually that we offer for corporates or accelerators or event organizers who would like to promote their services for our startup audience. Um, And then we also do interviews um, usually with uh, the founders of late-stage or f- fast-grade startups. So for early-stage startups, probably the best way to get published, with you startups at least, is to send us some interesting news, <laughs> which is obviously free. So kind of at this point, I can then also ask you, uh, when do you think would be the best time for startups to start working with a PR agency? Do you have something like uh, a recommended team size? For example, startups, we would recommend to start working with a PR agency when you have maybe about 15 team members or about a million in revenues. I
2: don't Uh know if you
1: agree or disagree. So um,
2: yeah, that's an interesting insight and I think size is definitely a criteria. Uh, for hiring a PR agency, but there's two scenarios for, for hiring a PR agency. One is no one. No one knows how to do the job in house. And so you hire an agency and that would be like a smaller team way earlier stage Two, you have an established marketing team or or PR person in house, and they just don't have the bandwidth to do all of the media outreach themselves. So they hire an agency, right? So in that case, you would have a way more established. A mid-sized company, right? Um, and I would say, as as a PR agency, who obviously has to advise and and select clients um, based on um, based on the newsworthiness of the projects that we're given, right? Because we don't want to sign up a, a client if we don't think that we can add value to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say our criteria as an agency is more uh, in terms of sort of um, the, the 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 readiness of the story, the the size of the story that uh, that the startup has to. Uh, has to divulge. um, And um, yeah, I I, I would say it's more around around that. It's more around, is there a story? Is there like a big announcement that's coming up that could serve as sort of a one-shot announcement or is there growth, sustained growth that we know is going to feed regular news hooks that we can pitch to the media? So example one, is there a one-shot project? For example, a very early stage startup comes to us and says, hey, we've raised 12 million euros. Like, we want to announce this and, okay, what are you using the funds for? I'm going to ask them to be able to bulk out the story. And they'll say, oh, well, we're, we're going to be, you know, sort of pivoting the product and launching three markets. Okay, there we have it. That's a story, right? So that we can work on a one-shot project with a, with a startup that comes and has, like, a big, big bang piece of news, right? The other scenario is, um, hi, Third Eye Media. We're a fast-growing startup. Um, our user base is growing, you know um uh, sort of 50% month on month. Uh, we've just launched, uh, Germany and, uh, and you know, the Netherlands, but we haven't really announced it, et cetera. And, uh, we have a few partnerships in the pipeline, uh, with some big brands and we think it's time for us to, uh, to start working with an agency because we, we realize we're not capitalizing on all this growth and all this news, right? So that's another scenario where, you know, you, you, you already know from this 15, 20 minute conversation with the founder that, okay, there's partnership announcements coming up. There's a, sort of a multi-market dimension that we can talk about, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Okay, yeah. So following from that, exactly what you're saying about how the the story is the most important part, the the news, what counts as news, um, whether an early stage startup is able to work with a PR agency or not, at some point that has to be decided, right? What is what is the story? What's the thing that you're announcing? Um, so from EU startups. We receive a lot of press releases every day, more or less about 50. And we receive a lot of um, sort of what you could say internal company announcements, like company reports or new staff hires, which are not what we would count as news. What we would count as news or as a story is something like an external announcement, like closing a funding round or, like you said, launching in a new market or having a a new partnership with a well-known organization. So when you're working with startups, how do you help them pick out what is the the news item? And maybe they come to you and they don't even have something that's a story. So how would you um, kind of position uh, something that's not really news and try to make it sound like it's news? Great question. Uh, That's a lot of the
2: advice and strategy uh, value add that we deliver to our clients. Um, I would say, um, you know, scenario one, the startup comes to us with a very clear, you know, c- kind of clear idea of what they want to announce. As I was saying earlier, like, you know, term sheets with, you know, we've just signed a term sheet. We've raised 15 million euros from X, Y and Z VCs across London and Paris. And we want to announce, OK, that's great. And as I said, I will tease out the story with them to get an understanding of like, you know, w- what's behind the funding, right? Like, what is the vision? What's the mission? And what are they going to achieve with the funds to s- start really teasing out the growth story, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what's gonna make the difference. I think one of the things that we try and make our, um, our clients aware of is that, um, you know, now that the space is getting more crowded because there's more and more of a tech dimension across all sectors really, right? Mm-hmm. So it's more frequent to hear about fundraise announcements. So there can be a bit of a fatigue, you know, in the sector. So we need to really make sure we're building a strong story. Like just just announcing a, a um, an amount of funding is not enough. But regardless, so that's one scenario where the startup comes and has a pretty clear idea of what, you know, what news they're announcing in the um, in the scenario where they don't. But they know that somehow they know that they're missing the boat. They should be, you know, capitalizing on some of their growth and they're not doing it. That's when we try and get an understanding of like how they measure their growth, like very broadly put, I'll ask, um, I'll ask the, the founder or whoever's on the phone with me, like, what are the metrics that you use to measure your growth? Is it users, user growth? Is it time spent on the platform? Uh, is it uh, virality of your product? Is it, uh, you know, depending on if it's consumer B2B, we, you know, uh, is, it, is it like numbers of new partners or size of the partners that you're signing up, et cetera, et cetera. And from there, we, we try to uh, get an understanding of um, what type of growth story we can, uh, we can build with them. So a lot of the time we'll be, you know, through that conversation, uh, the, the the founder will will tell us also about product improvements. He'll say, you know, we're, we're acquiring way more users and this is because we launched this new functionality and it's very attractive, whatever. So we start getting an understanding of what comp- what are the components of this growth. And then we're able to distinguish maybe the three to four key drivers of that growth, bundle them together into like a milestone or growth announcement.
1: Mm, yeah, because a lot of the times when we report on startups, uh, EU startups, often we will refer back to previous news stories that we've published about them to kind of pull together, as you said, a sort of long-term growth story. So you can follow the startup's growth over you know, a few years. And I think that's sure, sure. that's really interesting for readers as well. Um, so, yeah, good points. <laughs> <laughs> so um, once the, the startup has chosen the news story with you or on their own if they don't have a PR agency to hand, they then have to write their press release. Um, so this, this is a, an interesting topic because um, although there are standards for press releases internationally, there are also differences between each country, um, each market. Um, but in general, I would say from EU startups, we would probably be expecting a one to three page document um, for the document to have some kind of paragraph structure where the introduction is a summary of the main news. The second paragraph includes uh, dates about the, for example, the founding year of the startup, some statistics like how much funding was raised or the team size, or then in the third or fourth paragraphs to include quotes by the founders or investors. And also, as you said, to include the future plans or the, the objective of the startup. And also for visual materials, we'd also expect to have an official team photo or product photo. Um, but I'd be interested to hear your perspective and how you would position the startups press releases, especially if they're being translated into different languages, being Mm -hmm. sent to different publications, and how you would suggest to them that they approach different publications at different times. For example, would you say that um, there's a specific time to approach a small local publication, a specific time to approach an international publication? Mm-hmm.
2: That's a big question with a lot of uh, sub-questions in there. One mm-hmm. is the format of a release, the other one is localizing a release for different markets or audiences, and the mm-hmm. third one is really the pitching strategy, right? Um like when do you go to what types of publications and how? Right? Mm-hmm. So let me start with a press release. Um like you, I think uh a press release needs to be kept short. Um always lead with the news. So, the title of a press release is the entire story. Like, if there's one sentence, it's the title, and then you know what the news is. So, you know, French intratech startup raised 15 million from Partech Ventures and um, Eight Roads Ventures. That's mm-hmm. it. Or led by Eight Roads Ventures with contributions from Partech and XYZ. Then I like to recommend for my clients to have subtitles. So three, uh, no more than three subtitles that are bolded and that right away come and feed the title. Mm-hmm. So again, if I were to, um, to read the title, I know what the story is. And if mm-hmm. I'm to read the, the subtitles, I know why, how, and how much. Mm-hmm. So what happens in the subtitles for me is I'll say, okay, so Intratech raised 15 million from, from these two or three VCs, that's our title. Um, the subtitles would be company already working with Pepsi, um Nike and um set to sign three more partners in the next 3 months um so that's one bullet second bullet point introtech to hire 15 more people and open an office in paris before the end of 2020 that's like a little bit about what i'm using the funds for right mm-hmm. um and then um something like you know user growth or whatever uh, growing by this many percent month on month, because oftentimes we don't recommend for an early stage startup to reveal absolute numbers when they're still young and they're still small. It's better to give percentage numbers because usually they're more impressive. It shows the momentum of the growth, but also it doesn't reveal um, information that can be uh, hurtful if the competition knows about it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and those subtitles are really useful on our side because when we're deciding uh, whether to spend the time to edit this press release and publish it, those subtitles give us an immediate overview of what the press release is about without reading the whole thing. Um, exactly,
2: and that's the point of those. Mm-hmm. Exactly, that's the point because you will find those those numbers down in the release usually um, with uh, you know if there's a market number. Another nice uh, subtitle bullet point can be the industry uh, size of the industry or something. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, intratech or uh, again raised 50 million. The size of the this specific segment of the intratech market is worth this much per annum, or growing this much, or has grown this much in the last five years you see showing the dynamic and the potential of the size of the disruption that this technology is bringing to the market. That's also a good one.
0: And Mm -hmm. so usually
2: um, all of those figures and and all of that information that's in the bullets, you will find in the body of the email and there there will be resources um, or citing the sources, sorry, somewhere in the body of the email. If we have like market stats or proprietary stats. Mm -hmm. And then
1: speaking about the, I guess, the localization of the, the press releases in terms of having the trans, um, the press releases translated or adapted to different publications. How do you how do you approach that with your clients? Great
2: question. So in the case of this Intratech, uh, let's say that it's uh, it's French and um, it's got uh, it's got operations in Spain and France and the UK. The bullet points, uh, the first bullet point that I said, you know, is already working with Pepsi, Nike and so forth and so on, that we would dig up uh, signed partners in each of the different markets and highlight those immediately. Right. So in France, we'd highlight French ones in Spain, Spanish ones and so forth and so on. Um, if we're giving um, statistics about the size of the market we're disrupting, we'd give the global figure or the European figure and then we would give the market specific one right? So things like that, that help localize. Then we haven't gotten there yet, but in the body of the email around paragraph three or four, we want to have a quote from the founder uh, explaining why uh, this fundraise is a milestone and is significant for the company's growth. Uh, It it might make sense to replace that quote, not have it signed off from the founder, uh, but have it signed off from the country manager in some of those markets, right? So if the founder is based in France, because this startup is French, then we would keep him as the as the person quoted in the French release, but then maybe in Spain we put the Spanish country manager, and in the UK we put the UK country manager, right? To give a local voice, and we might tweak that quote with some specific findings or uh, uh, specifics of that market as well. Mm-hmm. So things like that to stay close to the market and
1: audience. Okay, cool. That's that's great advice. Thank you. So after the the press release has been written, uh, the from, from our side, the, the part that we see as the publication is is when we're contacted via email by either the PR agency or by the startup themselves. So this is really the moment when the press release will either be looked at or not. <laughs> uh, and it's the chance to grab the attention of the publication. So in this email, uh, the content has to be sculpted quite carefully and we have some advice from e startups where we would say for example to to keep the email subject line short uh saying probably exactly the 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 title of the news maybe you mentioned the location uh the top numbers some interesting for example if it's a partnership to mention the name like it's a partnership with i don't know sony for example to mention that in the the subject line and to keep the emails short Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't send a very long email with lots of explanation, uh, keep it to a few bullet points. Um, To not send the the email uh, with an unpersonalized intro. So for example, many times we get get emails um, that just begin with, dear editor. So it's nice for us to know that the, the person who's sending us the press release understands who they're sending it to. To also give us an exclusive, this is something that really grabs our attention if a startup or a PR agency gives us an exclusive, um, obviously this means that we have the exclusive right to publish it first. Uh, this is quite important for us as a publication because uh, tech, tech news is quite competitive and if another publication has already published a story within the last two or three hours we probably won't publish the story. So we like to be the first person to report on the news. So if a startup comes to us and says We've already had our news published in TechCrunch. That sounds impressive, but it actually puts us off. <laughs> um, so it's the contrary. Um, and uh, another final tip would be to not harass us. So often we have um, startups or uh, PR agencies who are very keen to get their story published and they message us multiple times. They also uh, telephone us. Um, so we'd also like to express to the startups that, We would love to reply to everybody, but as we get so many press releases every day, sometimes 50, sometimes more, we just don't have time to reply to each one, uh, which is just a time constraint. And many times the story is actually really interesting, but it arrives too late in the day, um, or we've seen that somebody else has just published it. And we're interested in that startup, but we just don't have time to keep in contact with everyone. So from, from your perspective, having heard our sliders news publication, do you have any other tips or tricks, tricks on how to catch the attention of um, of a media publication? Yes,
2: absolutely. It's really interesting to hear your perspective and to hear that um, you know we try and coordinate uh, the outreach for you know on behalf of our clients to avoid these kinds of situations that you were mm-hmm. describing. So you know, for example, we always uh, start conducting media outreach in the morning from ten a.m. onwards right? With the idea that the reporter arrives at nine and kind of seats through the, the inbox and deals with any urgencies, touches base with the editor, and then can focus on what's hitting his inbox, right? So we'll pitch between 10 and no later than 2.30 in the afternoon. Because after that, we know, uh, especially for national dailies, for example, that are much less elastic, uh, that the the reporters are, on fi- are filing, right? So they're filing stories. So we don't want to approach a reporter at four o'clock with some some news that needs to go out the next day. Number one, number two. So you know, trying to adapt to the, the what what the workday looks like for a reporter. Number two, um, you know, you were talking about exclusives, or at least an important component being that you don't want to be approached with someone calling something still news when it's already out. It's no longer news, right? If it's out mm-hmm. in another publication, it's not new anymore. It's been out. It's just. You know, someone wanting the, the 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 actual story to get more coverage, right? Mm-hmm. So what we like to uh, to do is sometimes we work with an exclusive, but more frequently we try to reach out to publications under embargo. So we give we you know we advise our clients to give us four to five working days to reach out to um, a bunch of outlets under embargo. For example, we'll reach out to them on a Thursday and tell them that by next Wednesday at 10 a.m. this news is going to be public have a look at it we're sending it to you because we know that you tend to cover fundraise and you in particular cover you know b2b startups and we've seen that you've recently written about IntroTech, for example so we're sending this to you now um and if you're interested we would be happy to put you in touch with the founder for an interview um ahead of you know the release on wednesday at 10 a.m that's kind of the approach um so really what we're doing is we're giving um hand-picked reporters a first look at us a- personalizing the emails to cover that point that you were saying. So, you know, hello, Charlotte. Um, just wanted to send you this um, this story that is going to go public next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Because I've seen that you recently wrote about these topics and this this startup is on a similar topic, so forth and so on. And the, the pitch email will be very short. Usually uh, it will basically um, be a rehash, a shorter rehash of the title and uh, the important info in those
1: Uh, Subtitles. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what you said about the embargo, because if the startups can imagine that we only, for example, at you startups, we only publish five stories a day. So if we're receiving press releases, maybe four or five days or even longer before they're published and there's an embargo, then we can already start to fill up those new spots. So it could be that even before the day has started, Tomorrow, we've already got our five stories ready because those PR agencies have been proactive and contacted us beforehand. So if you send us your PR at um, 3 p.m. that day and it's fresh news, then we don't have space anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. so thank you for those tips. So... Finally, I wanted to ask you um, whether you have any um, funny stories about uh, maybe very bad PRs you've seen or any interesting stories that have come your way that you just to kind of add a light aspect to the end of the interview. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I
2: I, uh, follow a few reporters uh, on on Twitter, British reporters in particular, Um, and French, I have to say, are also quite, uh, quite funny with that. But I follow so a bunch of tech reporters, and it, very frequently you will see them rant, uh, you know, and put in brackets uh, some in, in quotation marks something that a PR person sent to them, and be sort of like you know rolling their eyes and in, fr- in frustration. Uh, so I won't name publications or reporters, but I think uh, there's a lot of funny stuff out there about uh, the outrageous, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, requests from from uh, fr- from PRs. So sometimes you know. We try to be perfect, but sometimes apparently we're not. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and then I see, yeah. I, I know you also uh, were interested in, in what are the worst scenarios uh, that mm-hmm. I've seen. I don't know if they're like, uh, you know, they stand out as sort of nightmare scenarios, but it is frequent that we'll have early stage startups that are very bootstraps come to us at the extreme last minute wanting to get um, a, 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 what they call a press release out to the media. And, um, and tell us, you know, we've got the press release drafted already. All we need is for you to reach out to TechCrunch and get us in TechCrunch, for example. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, what, we'll, what we'll often discover is that, uh, you know, as we discussed, there's, there's a bit of an art and a methodology to writing a good press release, right? Leading with the news, building something incredibly compelling that we know out of experience the reporter is going to find compelling and select we were talking about 50 press releases on your desk every day and five news items going out every day. So that's one in 10, right? So, um, you know, some of these press releases or, or, or some of the, in some of these dis- instances, we'll have like a founder or someone in an early stage startup tell us the release is written. And what we discover is that the document is just a description of the company, right? So it's it's almost like the about page or like the, you know, who we are page of the website. Um, and, and that obviously is not a press release. So that's a bad scenario where you have someone saying, look, like the news needs to go out in two days and, you know. We're sending you an about page that we hope you could get into the headline somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> is what we're here for. We try and advise, you know, we try and uh, advise and, and recommend and, and build a strategy really quickly for our clients to help them maximize um, their 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 chances at getting good coverage. Because oftentimes that startup will come to us, the press release is, you know, what they're calling a press release is not at all ready. To go out to the media, but they, they're certainly coming to us with a news item, right? So we want to quickly turn it around, uh, help them whip that together into a compelling story that's going to be attractive to reporters and ultimately to their audience. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of a worst case scenario. I mean, guess for yeah. the startup as well. <laughs> exactly. um, I, think, I think from our side, um, one of the things that often happens with us is that we have a really interesting story that's sent to us um, that we're willing to publish. And oftentimes we we either don't get sent uh, the the materials like the photos or the videos or the, the extra kind of visual materials. And many times when they do actually come through, um, they are either like a passport photo of the founder, which we can't publish due to the, um, the specifications of our website, they have to be horizontal. Um, sometimes we also have had some kind of funny more comical photos that have come through where founders have been um, accidentally all wearing the same clothes or um, looking very serious and not smiling Um, and it it can it can mean that the story gets dropped because um, if we can't get the right kind of materials (laughs) to go with the story at the last moment then we, we can't publish so I think this could also turn into a tip for startups actually that Um, They should also be focusing on providing those visual materials that are going to be to the right specification for the publication already in the same email and to try and make the photos um, as colourful and um, interesting and eye-catching in some way and and try to kind of get a mix between informal and formal. Um, Yeah, I think that would be a good tip as well. I yeah.
2: agree. I think that's great advice. And um, for any size uh, startup, we always um, uh, recommend and support them in building a press kit. And it does include high-resolution uh, portraits of, uh, of the founder or founders or spokespeople, whoever's being interviewed. We also suggest um, including high-resolution screenshots of the product. We have to remember the product's new. Right, so people, the audience is discovering it. The reporter first; it's the reporter discovering what exactly this product is and wrapping his head around it, and then it's the audience. And so, it's really essential that um, the both the reporter and, and ultimately the audience can grasp, can get a quick grasp of what this product is, what the benefits are, what it looks like, you know, the user interface, etc. Because they're discovering it. So we think that's very important. Also, part of the press kits, um, bios of the founders. You know, at the very early stage of a startup, um, what's the most important thing? Well, the founders, right? Before the product becomes, um, you know, as the product is is building its own proof of concept, all that this company has at the beginning is its founders, right? So very important to be showcasing their background, their creds, um, and having some clean uh, professional, but also, you know, as you said, uh, friendly and relaxed. I mean, we're the tech sector, right? We're not (laughs) compliance. We're we're like a little bit more informal, so striking that balance visually of having uh, photos of the founders um, that really look like their personality, look like the, uh, convey the personality of the startup, the values of the startup, and uh, bios that that kind of second why they're ideally placed to win in this market with this product.
1: Yeah, it's it's bringing all the materials together to create the story of the startup, not just the text. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Thank you for the insights. Um, so, finally, do you have anything else you'd like to share with the startups and founders that would be listening? Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about how to
2: generate press um, when a startup doesn't have an announcement to make. You know, we were talking earlier about what constitutes news and what doesn't. And I think um, you know one thing to keep in mind um, for for companies of any size is that newsrooms are super stretched, um, and it's not getting any better for two reasons, the first one is that um, we saw with the digital uh, transformation in the last 20, 25 years that uh, newsrooms have suffered a lot and um, numbers, overall numbers of reporters and so forth and so on have been reduced, that's number one. The additional effect that we're working against in the tech sector is that, as I was saying earlier, the tech sector is seeping into all industries, right? So the volume of stories that have a tech component are getting bigger. Meaning that the n- number of tech reporters that is either staying still or reducing, at least in a national publication, for example, they're tackling more and more uh, stories that have a tech component. So I think um, it is very important to, A, think about uh, only going to reporter when you really have a solid piece of news. As we talked about before, you know, there's a real fatigue around fundraise. I raised 15 million and I raised 12 and I raised eight and I raised 14. Okay, so... What are you doing with the funds? Why are you winning? Why should I pick you out of the 50 press releases that I've hit my desk today? Right. So that's what we're trying to help our clients do. The other thing to think about is when you don't have news, um, we like to recommend to our clients to think about writing bylines. These founders are, you know, sort of. uh, Worlds of of information have worlds and worlds of information on on the sectors that they work in. Right, they've done due diligence for years. Uh, they've launched their their companies. They're they're aware of all the competition of the trends um, in their market, the size of the market, all of the movements, et cetera. They are incredible sources of information and industry expertise, um, that, um, that is fascinating to journalists and that is very interesting to, uh, ultimately to the end audience of readers, right? So, um, we try and recommend for, um, founders to, 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 uh, to think about writing bylines because not only are they... Uh, informing uh, their audiences, they're positioning themselves as, um, you know, really authoritative voice in their sectors, and also they're upping the chances of getting coverage, right? Mm -hmm. If you send to a reporter really well thought industry piece about the sector that you're in, it doesn't need to mention your startup, but it's signed by you, comma, name of your startup that's enough. It gives you visibility and the chances of a reporter wanting to run that piece versus, hey, I'm like the 51st person with another press release. Can you write it? And am giving the reporter more. You know, that's
1: really something to consider uh, in the current media landscape. Mm, and that's really interesting. And just to pick up on the first point that you said about there being a saturation around funding announcements and how to try and to show that you have more of a an impact or what what's the story behind that. I think, uh, within EU startups and many other publications at the moment, there's becoming more of a focus on whether startups have a, an impact beyond just making money, right? If they're a social, they have some kind of social goal or objective or an environmental goal or objective, I think that's also um, brings kind of more of a story to the funding news. Um, that's also something that we're looking out for more. Um, and we're seeing more of an interest from readers on that front. Um, mm-hmm. We've run a few Twitter polls on um, what kinds of um, startups our uh, readers are interested in and Social impact startups are, uh, are, are ranking very highly. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's another interesting point. Okay, yeah. so um, so then I'll have to bring our conversation to an end. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll uh, I'll also just mention for our audience that we'll be creating some show notes and also publishing an article on the website with um, a summary of all the tips and tricks we've mentioned today. So. If you didn't make notes, don't worry, we will be giving them to you. So <laughs> thank you, Clara, again. Thanks um, so much, Charlotte. Thank you. And we look forward to receiving the next press releases from the Eye Media. <laughs> Wonderful. They're <laughs> going to be coming your way very soon. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bye.